boys what is going on um actually let's just do the regular intro here we go <laughs> again let's get it what it's is so up weird. Every- yeah what's up everybody and welcome back to another episode of the neon belly podcast we are your host nate juggernaut and brandon <laughs> and boys on today's episode we are going to recap ufc 269 we will get everybody set up with our picks and predictions for the final final ufc card of the year headlined by the black beast Derek lewis versus chris Dawkins. and brandon is going to hit us up with another facts don't care about your feelings and finally we will hit you guys with all the news and happenings in the world of mma all this and more but first boys let's just address the terrible quality elephant that's in the room um yeah so if you follow us on our instagram which if you're not you should be because that's the best way for us to update you guys correct Uh, last night we show up to record as we always do um and unfortunately uh the mixer just doesn't turn on so we kind of ran into a snag, couldn't figure it out, weren't able to upload an episode. Uh, so now here we are. We're all three remote in our homes. Although, Brandon, you're at your office. That's correct. Yeah, you look like you're about to do like a virtual TED Talk. <laughs> I can do that. You guys want. We can, <laughs> like, talk. We can, get, we can get into this. <laughs> uh, so we are all three uh, remote recording on USB microphones. Uh, So if you are new here uh, off top, we do want to apologize. This is not usual for us. Um, You can go back Mm -hmm. and listen to any other episode before this one, and you'll see um, our quality is much better. Uh, We usually have a lot of music and sound effects. And tonight or on this episode, I mean, there's literally going to be nothing, just us. Um, But this is what it's going to have to be for this week. Um, Little update on the mixer is possibly looking like it is going to have to go back so we're going to have to figure something out um, because we can't continue this way we know for a long time so bear with Mm -hmm. us uh, maybe another week of this i don't know uh, but we're going to try to get it figured out before next episode i don't want to spend too much time on it but so let's just start there though but boys what is up how we doing doing all right this is good this this is going to take some getting used to a little adjustment it's weird not hearing myself and you're going to have to remember yeah, to I think bike in your face. Yeah. And I think eventually me and Brandon are going to have to like take our glasses off because you're just going to see the reflection of everybody. <laughs> yeah, that's true too. Yeah. I don't know if this, we'll probably won't utilize this video. I don't know. Um, we'll just kind of see what we get out of it, but uh, yeah, man, it sucks because we were just starting video. You know, once again, people that maybe listen to us more normally, you know that and follow us on Instagram at Neon Belly Podcast as we've been, we just started doing video. So it's a bit of a setback, uh, which kind of sucks. And obviously when you spend $600 um, on a mixer, you don't expect it to go out in, yeah, 11 months. <laughs> it hit us with the Amanda Nunes. I kind of checked out today. Uh, so, I'm going to have to hit you with the Dana White. money (laughs) uh but boys we got to get into this episode um we're gonna try to keep this a little longer i am seeing up at the top it says 40 minutes so i don't know if that's our max time or not so i think it is because when i signed in it said you want to go pro and i was like oh we need to get going (laughs) so 
yeah, let's get going. Uh, before we do, though, so this is going to be a quick episode. Sorry, guys. Uh, do want to shout out our team, Gaha, going 3-0 at Coliseum Combat this yes, past sir. weekend. Uh, shout out to Jason Gowdy, Keaton Spear, and Gabe Yurit for uh for all winning their fights coliseum Con- or excuse me gaha team gaha finishing the year strong strong year for a gaha honestly i'm mm-hmm. um, really proud of our team and everybody uh that's you know matt and jacob who have really you know taken the mma program to the next level and it's uh it's starting to show right so didn't know if you guys wanted to say anything there, but okay. Just hype, just hype <laughs> for them, man. <laughs> we're going to move in to UFC 269 because that's really why we're here, boys. <laughs> Saturday night, I almost said last night, sorry. This past Saturday night, UFC 269, we're going to start out with the main event. Charles Dubronx Oliveira defeating Dustin Poirier via rear naked choke in round three. Uh, what a performance by Charles Oliveira boys. Uh, there was no feeling Mm -hmm. out from either guy in this fight. Uh, these two came straight out, got to work. Um, and again, for the second fight in a row, we see Charles survive being dropped and losing a first round just to come back and win. Uh, boys, where are you today? A couple of days removed now from that main event. Real happy and sad, man. Cause you're happy for Oliveira. You never, I mean, he's one of the nicest guys he's got a really great story obviously coming back from all the losses that he's had um he was like 10 and 8 at one point and then he was on a 10 fight run now um and then you feel a little bit sad for dustin because you know especially that post fight that was tough to watch just him being emotional like that so but amazing fight i mean everything we could have asked for yeah same same for me i felt really uh really sad for Dustin, you know, he was talking about this being the second time he's worked this hard, right. To get here and then to lose, lose it again is I'm sure that's gotta be the toughest pill to swallow, but, uh, you know, can't help but also be happy for Charles. Like you said, um, man, he's just really coming to his own, man. Like I watched this fight again and man, like we were saying the same night of the fight, like just so complete compared to where he was, you know, years, years ago, like he's just really kind of come full circle. So that's really cool to watch. Yeah, and I think it's finally time now uh, that we bury the, you know, oh, Poye breaks, you know, or you got to worry about him breaking. You know, the breaking talk needs to stop. Uh, really shouldn't have been a question after his last fight against Chandler. Like we said, getting dropped in the first round and against a guy like Michael Chandler and coming back is, you know, if that, you know, doesn't show your heart and everything and you just don't go on a win streak like Charles Oliveira has, you know, to be fair. Um, and that's something I had to think about as well right. is because I was even questioning it going into the Chandler fight, but it's like, man, you don't do what Charles Oliveira has done. And I want to, you know, let's just get right into what Charles, because I was really going through it and it's crazy, this guy's career and where he is today. Um, uh, from 2015, when he lost to Max to 2017, which was his last pa- uh, loss to Paul Felder, he only won two out of six fights in that two-year span. I think many could have, probably did write him off. Uh, but after that Felder loss, he's now won nine in a row, captured and now defended a world title. He also has the most finishes and submission finishes in UFC history and is only three wins off from the most wins in UFC history. So you have to believe that, you know, chances are he's going to achieve that as well. Um, Charles Oliveira, man, take a bow. Um, and just like I said, putting it together uh, in this fight as beautifully as he did. Striking was as smooth as you'd like. Uh, obviously got caught in the first round, which happens against guys like Dustin. Um, but man, that transition to the back 
track was just beautiful as well. Um, and I told you guys Saturday night, and I still feel that way today, is Charles Oliveira, other than BJ Penn, is probably the most complete, well-rounded 155 champ in UFC history. Yeah, I don't think anybody could argue. I think if there is any any like negatives, I guess, to pull away from it, I kind of heard Chael talking about it a little bit, and there's some truth to it, is based on the Chandler fight and this fight and previous fights, but Charles, he does get hit, and he does get dropped. I mean, that's that's happened. So I guess if there is any, any like I said, anything negative to kind of pull away from it, he is hittable. Um, so if there's any shining light there for Gaethje to, to hold on to, it's that. Um, you know, very, very touchable in that first round. But like we said earlier, like the heart's clearly there. So you can't bank on mm -hmm. just that one shot because he'll be there in round two, round three, and if you don't put him away. so And he's hard to follow up on. You know, if you do hit him and drop him, good luck because you've seen that, you know, that up kick gave him a couple seconds in this last fight. You know, he was able to move his head around with the Chandler. And the other thing too is, you know, he is hittable, but everybody in this division is hittable. You know, and not only that is he's got back up from big shots from some of the biggest punchers that they have at 55. So you have to be kind of bigger than that. And when you look at what he did to Chandler compared to what Gaethje did to Chandler, that becomes very interesting. So you guys just mentioned both of you there and your uh, responses about Justin Gaethje. We pretty much know now uh, Dana White's pretty much confirmed that is going to be Oliveira's next fight. Uh, don't want to spend a ton of time on this, obviously, because we're we're on a time limit. But early thoughts on uh, Oliveira Gaethje, because I think that fight's insane. Oh, yeah. If it, Honestly, if, if Charles can avoid getting hit, in my opinion, he wins that fight. Um, I think, I think Gaethje's obviously very one dimensional. He's going to look for that big right hand. And if he catches it, he has a fantastic chance of winning that fight. But man, I think if Charles can avoid, and if he can get it on the ground or even just keep him at distance, he's got a fantastic shot at winning. So it's, it's a good fight. Um, and I think it's Charles fights to fight to lose, honestly. Yeah. And he doesn't have to rely on the wrestling to get to the grappling. We've seen it in this, he goes to a clinch, he works his way to the back. Like there's. And he has so many more weapons, man. He used those elbows really well on the inside, the knees to the body. We, we talked about his leg kicks before. He didn't even use those in this fight. So he just has a really big toolbox, and it's, it's really tough to see who's going to stop that. And like both of you said earlier, you know, as happy as you are for a guy as Charles, uh, you're equally as bummed for a guy like Dustin. You know, we, we all heard it in the cage. He even told Oliveira as he just lost that he wants to donate $20,000 to Oliveira's hometown. Um, that's just mm -hmm. the kind of guy Dustin is. You can't hate that guy. Um, but um, does it kind of seem like, I mean, where does Dustin go? I, once again, don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but where does a guy like Dustin go now in the 55 division, you know, off the two Connor fights. Now you just lose another title shot. Is this now the time in your guys' opinion, if Dustin does want to make that 170 jump, that this is probably the best time for him to do it? Yeah, it's, it's Connor or 170, in my opinion. I think if uh, if he truly does want to make that switch to 170, I definitely think he needs to do it now. But if he doesn't, I mean, there's still some fun fights at 55 for him, but I just don't know if, if another title run is going to be in his head in his mindset um at 55 so you know i guess it just depends on what he wants to do boys we are going to keep it moving into our co-main event <laughs> Woo, man i'm man. so hype off of this juliana pena shocks the world defeating amanda nunez via rear naked choke in round two and boys juliana pena 
those close to her, her team were the only people in the world that walked into oh. that arena on Saturday night that thought that Juliana Pena was going to have that uh, title around her waist come Monday yep. morning. Um, and it's just, it's nuts. And, and, you know, we, we said it then last that or that night is, you know, obviously the choke was what finished the fight, but she broke Amanda, you know, and you could see that, you know, um, she kind of finally cracked that code of pressure and not backing down in the fire. You know, when you're in the middle of the fire with Amanda, so many opponents have said uh, that they were ready for it, not afraid, but then folded once they were actually in front of uh, Amanda, but not Pena, man. She kept jabbing back, kept coming back and eventually got the finish. Yeah, I have, I have. So I would, this is one of those times where I just wish we, we were able to interview some of these fighters. Like, cause I have so yeah, many questions for Amanda, man, like, like, and, and Pinion. But for me, I just, I just really wonder how much of this win, cause like you said, she definitely broke Amanda. And I, my question would be like, at what point were you broken? What was it? Was it when she started tagging you? Was it when you were tagging her and she just wasn't falling like the rest of the people you've fought you know, over the past seven years or however long her win streak's been? Um, but, that's what I, what I'm interested in is like, at what point did she really break? You know, what, what caused sure. it? Cause she, she was in it for that first round. Like that first round was hers. Yeah. And then she that did. second yeah. round, it just, so, so yeah, that's, that's what I'm curious about. Yeah. I, um, it's interesting, you know, to get the rear naked finish without the hooks in is to me is the, the biggest, like you definitely were ready to get out of there uh type of situation and when i watch funny enough i watched israel adesanya watching that fight and once she started getting hit a lot he kept on yelling she's panic striking where it's to i need you to get away from me not i'm trying to hit you and as you go back and look you even see it in her face and like a little bit of a panic set in and you haven't seen that in maybe i mean at this point what is it 12 years in a row since she's lost so i mean everybody has their time I don't even think that that choke was under the chin. Honestly, did you guys get a better look at it? I don't think it was under no, the I chin. Don't, I don't. I don't really think it was. I mean, I just genuinely think she she just broke her will there to keep fighting. I mean, because she just kept throwing back. And and as that exchange was going on, you could noticeably see Amanda was getting more and more tired. And Pena was landing some really big shots, to be fair. Um, and, you know, I've seen a lot of people – uh, say that, you know, Amanda just didn't seem as sharp as dominant Brandon, you had mentioned, and I'm glad you did. Cause I didn't originally is Amanda did win that first round, pr- very convincing, like in, in pretty typical Amanda fashion. Right. Um, but you know, especially mm-hmm. in that second round, man, she just was not as technical as sharp as we've seen, like how we kind of talk about with Amanda and Val- Valentina, where it's like, you see them strike and it just looks different than every other wo- woman, you know, and, yeah. and, and we just didn't see that. Um, especially in those exchanges in the second round. Um, now, you know, I do think a, a lot of that obviously had to do with her getting tired. Um, but do you guys maybe one or two post COVID? Um, you know, I kind of been thinking about that a little bit as since that fight is, you know, this fight was supposed to be booked earlier, had to get canceled because Emmanuel, Amanda got COVID and we've seen some fighters not really bounce back, uh, in their next fight from COVID. Um, and mm-hmm. it's just hard not, cause we've really never seen Amanda gas like that, you know, especially that early I'll say. Yeah. So. Well, like post COVID and this is her first fight at 35 in two years, I believe. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. That's so, you know, trying to do the weight cut and after COVID that probably is a little bit draining. Yeah. One thing, uh, I think I, in her post fight um, interview, like in the cage door, she'd made a few comments about having some things she still needs to work on. And I don't, 
I don't really know if she was talking about technique or personal things or what, but that was something that kind of stuck out to me as well. Was she, it was clear there was something going on. I don't know if that's, it was leading into this fight or on fight night or what, but there's something that's been going on. That's, that's kind of messing with her. So I, and I don't know what that yeah. is, but well, if it's technique, then it's getting out of the way. She literally just stood right in front of her. And every time she hit her, she was right there. Like she didn't use head movement. She didn't circle. She just was right there for the, that jab, jab, right. So, and obviously, <clears throat> we had mentioned it, or I mean, I mean, that was Amanda's first loss since 2014. You know, she's been a great champion now, you know, two double champion. Um, Pena obviously has been very open and understanding that Amanda does get her rematch. Um, and and yeah. that is that is now the fight that's probably going to be made. Um, but I want I, I really thought it was interesting because. Pena showing a little bit of shades of uh, Chris Weidman in the fight week build up uh, when Weidman fought Silva the first time. Um, and, and I, cause I remember, I, I just remember I was so invested in that Weidman Silva fight, but I remember Chris Weidman that night or, or in the week leading up saying, I told Dana, I'm going to shock the world and beat this guy. And then I'm going to give him a rematch and prove it to him that I'm really that good. You know what I mean? Like he basically was saying, I'm going to beat him. And then I know I'm going to beat him again. And I thought it was interesting looking at it now is, Pena was saying that same stuff, you know, going into this fight week. And uh, I just thought that was kind of like a little, little cool comparison, you know, these two Brazilian mm -hmm. giants, and then, you know, these two kind of Americans, like nobody, no, I mean, nobody's giving them a shot. Right. And then uh, just to have that confidence to go in there and do it, but seeming that that is going to be the next fight. Um, although the Kayla Harrison stuff's kind of heated up. Uh, we've obviously all been seeing that is, Dana was not very shy about admitting that, you know, she is now on their radar. And, you know, he even said like Amanda losing kind of ruins that fight now of Amanda and Kayla. So we'll see. Um, I still think there's a lot of upside to bring in Kayla Harrison in the UFC though, regardless. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think it's a good move by the end though. They'll figure yeah, something out. Something for sure. Boys, we're going to keep it moving. Don't want to spend a ton of time on this one, uh, but welterweight Jeff Neal defeating Santiago Ponzinibbio via split decision, 29-28, 29-28, and 30-27 uh, for Jeff Neal. I just completely disagreed with this decision, especially the 30-27 for Neal. Uh, Neal still looked really hesitant, as John kind of pointed out, going into the fight that we've kind of seen from him. Um, I felt like, boys, that uh, Ponza Nibio did enough to win that fight, at least two rounds. Right. I agree. Yeah, I'm, I, yeah, I don't disagree either. I know I picked Jeff, and I still was pretty pretty shocked when they read the decision, especially the 30-20 um, turnings. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably one of the worst judging we've seen in a little while. They've had a bad yeah. streak earlier in the year, and they kind of got better, and then this is kind of just a little bit more regression, in my opinion. Yeah, but, you know, good for Neil. I mean, he's right back in the mix now, I guess. Right. You know, he, he found it, got a win. Um, but, man, even his coach in the third round knew he was losing. He was like, dude, what are you – like, you got to go, man. Like, what you got to wake oh, up. Yeah, I he, mean, was, he was going off. Yeah, it was crazy. Uh, but the next fight I want to get to right away, Kai Kara France defeating – Cody Garbrandt yes, TKO in round one. Uh, I'm going to give you guys two quotes um, from two different people about each one about both of these fighters. The first one um, is something Izzy said about Kai Car of France, and I love this quote. He said, "You may not understand it, but you will respect it." And I think that's so true now for Kai Car of France, um, who I mean, a lot of people came into this fight. Like, I think I saw Patty Pimblett was like, I don't even know who this guy is, but you know, I'll probably take Cody. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, so I just thought that was a mm -hmm. cool, 
cool quote, uh, quote from him, but then Chael on Cody, I sent this guy this to you guys is uh, Chael said this about Cody Garbrandt. He said, we are never done with this sport, but one day we wake up and this sport is done with us. And uh, it's kind of funny. It's like a tale of two quotes there. Um, but what do you guys think, man? It's yeah. hard not to maybe think we, we always say like, you know, we're not the ones that ever make that call, but we feel like, you know, you do kind of, it's just something that should be talked about. And I think with Cody been in some wars and uh, that chin just seems gone now, man. Yeah. You'd have to be okay with being in that gatekeeper role or, you know, a mid tier guy. Cause at this point, Every time he's fought the guys he needs to beat to get to the title, it just doesn't work. You know, his style doesn't work or the matchup is not great for him. And for, you know, Kai Kara, I, I know I would love to see him get close to the title, you know, get up to those top five guys. I mean, he was number six going into this. So he definitely deserves a really good shot because, I mean, he had an opportunity and one that people probably beg for at that as far as getting a champion or a former champion in his debut in your division. And he really capitalized and got a lot of eyes on himself doing it. What do you think, Brandon? Because um, for Cody, you know, to be a champion, I think he's like one in his last six now. Um, but to be a former champion at 35 and then to try to come down to reinvent yourself and then to get knocked out by 125 pounder, somebody less a weight class lower. Um, it's just, what do you, what do you think, man? What do you so, do? so I don't, put too much into the weight thing because i i said coming into this man that i think the 25 i think the cut is going to hurt him i think he's going to be even more susceptible than he was at 35 and he got knocked out of 35 twice or a few times um so that doesn't surprise me too much and kai france is a dog man i mean he he hits hard yeah but um it, it's kind of crazy to me going back to the chill quote because his performance against dominant cruiser like i said in our instagram post i remember watching that fight and i remember thinking man he's going to hold this title for a long time. Cause he looked so yeah. good in that fight. Yeah. Dude. He was and like then, dancing. Remember he was like, he was like doing yeah. like the robot. He, like, he, like he was just that much. I mean, better. he dropped yeah. Cruz multiple times, made a miss, was doing great in the wrestling. I mean, he just showed all these skills. And after that, man, it's just never been the same. He, yeah. he lost to TJ. And ever since then he had the, he had the good fight against the sun Sal where he knocked him out. That was great. Mm -hmm. But outside of that, man, it's just been downhill. So yeah, I, I agree with Chael. Yeah. And man, now with Moreno, Figgy, Askar Askarov, Pantoja, and now Kai Kara France, uh, man, how fun is the 25 pound division going into 2022? It's never it's getting, been this good. No, yeah, it's getting, it's getting interesting. Very interesting. It was, it was just Mighty Mouse fighting, you know, three of the same guys over and over. Now it's, I mean, anybody could have this title going into next year. So Very just true. need Tim, just need Tim Elliott to jump in there. Oh, gosh. Yeah. You guys remember Uncle Creepy Ian McCall? Ooh, yeah. <laughs> With the mustache. <laughs> that was a good mustache. Oh, dude. The, the 25 pound division's been through some stuff, man. Uh, yeah. uh, boys, next result Sean O'Malley defeating Julian Paiva via TKO round one. Uh, beautiful performance from O'Malley. Um, mm -hmm. Said and his post fight that he was 99% sure that he was going to pull out of the fight because of a rib injury. He wasn't able to uh, do any jujitsu for like two or three weeks. He said going into the fight, um, wasn't able to do a ton of training other than like hitting mitts. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Dana White making the comments he did early in the week about, you know, we haven't really given O'Malley anybody because we don't think he's ready for 
that big jump. Um, but man, I think he really proved it here. I haven't looked at the rankings today. I know they, they got updated, but I think O'Malley deserves a ranking next to his name today. And I think his next opponent deserves a ranking as well. What do you guys think? I agree. And I think Dana agreed. Um, it's, I don't know if you guys watched his post fight, but he, somebody asked him about O'Malley and he was and Dana said, I'm not directly quoting this is paraphrasing, but he, he said, um, you know, I, he's been saying that he wants to get paid and he wants a bigger, fighter, yeah, saw, um, yeah. higher ranked opponent. So I guess we got to pay him. So, I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, he, he, he admitted, you know, Pi was a real fighter and he beat him. So, you oh, know, yeah. I guess we'll see. Pi was a big opponent, uh, to be, we talked about it, John. So, I mean, yeah. What do you mm -hmm. think about that? Yeah. I mean, I think that this is that chance for him to have that moment, you know, um, it's always going to be, but now he needs to beat this type of guy and that type of guy. We've seen it with all the strikers who have that polarizing type of personality, but you have to do it, you know, and, um, you know, that, that becomes part of his allure now is, is he going to keep winning or the people, cause he's that kind of like a, I either love him or I hate him type of guy with the, the way he talks and his personality. Some people don't like that. So he's definitely coming into that. People will watch him every time just to see if he loses. So I think that, and that's a good good company to be in. He shed he shed some light on that too during his post fight um, press conference. He was saying, "I'm in the fight business. I'm not in the fight game." You know, a lot of these guys are in the fight fight game, and he's he's definitely a smart guy, I and mean, he knows what he's doing in terms of marketing himself and getting people to watch. So yeah, he's doing well on that front. Yeah, man, I, I'm really excited to, to see him start fighting some bigger name guys um, because I, I don't remember who it was, but somebody said like a fighter that they think he can do that to people in the top like six or seven in the world. Um, and it's hard not, you know, how easy he just made it look against Julian Paiva. It's hard not to think that, man. His He's funky, dude, and he he's just – He's different on the striking game. I still want to see that ground game tested only because it's hard because he talks so much about, you know, his purple belt and, you know, how good he is mm -hmm. on the ground. So I just want to see it. Like, I'm not saying I want to see him lose or, oh, I think he'll get – I just kind of want to see it because he talks about it all the time. Yeah. You know what I and mean? I, I want to see him, you know, kind of with the Oliveira thing or testing the heart type of thing. I want to see what happens when he gets knocked down or, you know, outside of the – obviously his leg going out from him, but – I mean, that, that what happened though. I mean, I yeah, mean, it, but it I'm just talking out, about but... like the way that we like what we see with, with like the Oliveira thing, where you just get really dropped and you gotta really kind of dig deep and recover. Like those mm -hmm. are the type of things. Like with Izzy, when we seen the Kelvin Gastelum fight, it was oh, this guy has heart. This guy will dig and he'll do whatever it takes to win. Those are the type of things you like to see. Are you talking about? Were you talking about where he got knocked down, or sorry, got knocked out by um, Chito? Or are you talking about the earlier fight where he had the like the injury and he fought through it? Like the the Cheeto fight, like with it, you, I'm just saying, like just getting tagged and and dealing yeah. with like the big shots. Because I say because he had that one fight where he like injured himself midway through and he kind of fought through it, and that looked that was kind of close to that, but yeah, still yeah, exciting though. Yeah, um, boys, I'm going to lump these next couple fights together, and then you guys can just – anything you have on any of these. Um, Josh Emmett defeating Dan Ige. Dominic Cruz defeating Pedro Munoz via unanimous decision. Emmett Ige was his decision as well. Uh, Cruz looked great. Vintage Cruz stuff there. Survived getting dropped early in the first round. Um, I, I was telling Jacob, I still think Pedro – um, something I want to have, I don't know. It just seemed like, I think when Pedro goes back and watches that, he's going to kind of kick himself a little bit. You know, we've seen Pedro with some really nice leg kicks and just didn't really let him go this time. And I thought after dropping Cruz, 
Uh, he just kind of got off that and made it a too technical of a fight. And you're just, it's, it's a tough thing to do against Dominic Cruz. Um, and then the last result, Tai Tuavasa defeating Augusto Sakai via TKO in round two. I thought that's the best Tuavasa's looked in the cage. Uh, also came out to Barbie Girl, which I thought was absolutely fantastic because <laughs> uh, this life is plastic. And then, uh, oh, Ryan Hall, Brandon, back in the wind column with the unanimous decision victory. Anything on any of those real quick, boys, before we move on from UFC 269? Um, so for me – well, okay, so Josh Hammond, I, I thought that was a good win for him. I'm glad to see him back. And he he talked about wanting to be active going forward because he had the layoff. So hopefully they do that and they and they keep him active because um, I'd love to see him go forward and uh, do some work. And then I'll, I'll talk about Ryan Hall in a second. John, do you have anything? I was going to say two, two of us looked really good. Yeah. Um, and i also seen some guy baptize himself with, the, with his trying to do a shoey in the crowd, which was yeah. hilarious. I don't know if you guys saw that. Yeah. Uh, so, so the Ryan Hall fight, I'm glad he won, but man, I was kind of frustrated watching that fight. I'm a, I'm a big Ryan Hall fan, obviously, so this is biased, but it just feels like to me, he tried, he's trying really hard, I think, to be flashy and do some cool stuff. And I, and I, I, I don't know why I really get that sense, but I just feel like he's getting away from the job, which is to win. And I think that's part of his issue. Do you guys get any of that, like a sense of that at all? I, I didn't see the fight. Um, oh, okay. I, I will, I will, I'll watch it now. Um, yeah, I didn't even get home until the, right before the two of us fight. And I just, with, especially with all this technical stuff we've been doing, I just haven't got a chance to watch it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I could see what you're saying, especially from his last couple of fights too. You know, I've watched all of his fights. Um, and I yeah. do plan on watching this one. Uh, but yeah. I've, I've heard a lot of criticism about his performance. Um, a lot of people think he's kind of boring. I, I saw a lot of people thought it. Um, but if you go back and watch, if you guys get a chance, go watch his gray manyard fight and watch his fight against, I think it was Nick Lentz. Um, and he put on a really good display of his striking in terms of it evolving in mm -hmm. those fights. And I feel like he's just getting away from that. And he's, he's trying really hard, like I said, to do some flashy Eminari roles. I hated his last things. fight. I think that's what yeah. he was doing in his last fight. He kept trying to he do was doing the same thing. thing he did it was it. like, it's not working. Mm -hmm. dude. Like, you know he what was, I mean? He was doing it multiple times in this fight and he just yeah. couldn't capitalize and, like I said, I just think he's trying to be a little funky to get some notoriety to his name, and I just think it's kind of backfiring on him right now. So hopefully yeah. he figures that out. Well, and that, and it's like you're doing these this funky stuff, and it's not working. Instead of working on actual wrestling takedowns or yeah, getting to trips, like it, it's just not going to help you. You're not getting younger, and this stuff that you've seen what happens when you try to do it against a younger guy who's going to pop him for it, and you know he just can't keep doing that. Yeah. Okay, boys, our 40 minute timer has gone off. I don't think we've hit, there's no way we've hit. I should have started a timer when we started, uh, but I'm getting real nervous. <laughs> I just got a, a thing that came up that said the host extended it, and now we have unlimited minutes. Yeah, I got that too. Let's go. All I right. Think you just yeah. bought pro, so. All right. Let's invest. Yeah. Yeah. I just spent $30. All right. Well, all right. We're going to test this. If, if this is only, if this episode gets cut off, sorry guys, we're, we apologize. Uh, but we let's still love move. You. Yeah. But let's move on boys. UFC fight night this Saturday night, last card of the year. And it's a good one. Uh, main event, the black beast, Derek Lewis versus Chris Dawkins. Um, boys, this is black. The uh, Derek Lewis is, excuse me, first fight back since losing that interim title fight to Cyril Gone back in April. Uh, Chris Dawkins coming into this fight on a five fight win streak in his career, a perfect four and in the UFC so far. Um, all five of his last wins have all been KO TKOs in the first round, except for his last fight against Shamil Abdurahimov, which was a second round. 
TKO back in September. Um, I'm really, really excited for this fight. Obviously, we we all love uh, Derek Lewis. How can't mm-hmm. you? Um, but man, I, I'm really interested to see Dawkins here because I mean he's kind of obviously been winning by KO TKOs, and I don't know, man. I just don't know how I feel about this one. What do you guys think? It's a huge jump for him. Oh, it's, I just, it, yeah, I think that's what it is. It just feels like such a big jump in competition. I mean, if you I mean, look at so, his list, it's me, it's not people who you're just like, oh man. He definitely, I mean, he's taking out tough guys, but, you know, a heavyweight outside of like the top seven, it's kind of like a mix up of who, who's won a fight, who's lost a fight. So I found an, an article here and there was a quote and I wanted to read you guys and there's a question at the end of this. So I'll just read this real quick. It's kind of relevant to what you're talking about. Um, it says in January, Chris Dawkins was ranked in the UF was unranked in the UFC. In December, he's fighting the number three heavyweight Derek Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> in between, he's beat two guys in their 40s who were both coming off losses. In fact, just a year ago, Fight Matrix, Fight Matrix ranked him at 179 in the world. Is this a legit meteoric rise, or is it a super weak heavyweight division, or both? I, I don't think it's a super weak heavyweight division, man. I feel... I don't know if it's more like... I'm not saying that they're trying to give Lewis another win, or kind of like a cupcake, because I, I don't think Chris Dawkins is a cupcake, and I, and I think this is a good spot for him, and I, I do think for all that I've you know, just kind of mentioned about maybe it being too much too fast. I think he matches up really well against Lewis. He's really fast, got really good hand speed, a lot of power. It's just Derek Lewis is tough to finish, man. And, you know, I don't, we really haven't seen much ground game, you know, from Dawkins or much takedowns that I can recall. Um, so I don't know, man, but giving him a guy like, like number three in the world who just fought for a title, an interim title, but still it just, it does mm-hmm. seem like a lot fast when, you know, there's other guys like Aspinall out there or a tie to Avasa even. Yeah. I think it's a, a weaker division thing as far as like, like five down or like seven down, because we know at heavyweight, you know, just get going pro. You can get into the UFC as a pro heavyweight. If you win like three fights in a row. Yeah. It's, it's a little different. Heavyweight is always going to be a little different. And I think too, this is them trying to scramble somebody for a new contender because, you know, obviously we have Lewis and surreal fighting and then you have John Jones in the wings, but you don't know about that. You don't know about Stipe. You got to get some contenders up there. And the only way you're going to do it is by having them fight guys that could take them out of that a la Lewis. So I think it's a mix of them, you know, trying to see if Lewis is still somebody who's viable there, but also seeing if Dawkins can like make a jump to give him somebody to put in front of maybe to dangle in front of Jones or something to make him feel like, oh, I need to fight or take less money, whatever, but, whatever. Yeah, but at the same time, it's so tough because if he beats Derek Lewis, what do you do with him next? Like you don't give him a title shot or I mean, you're going to get him like steep. Hey, I mean, that I don't know, man. It just it just seems like a lot really fast. I mean, you could. I, I feel like maybe like a Curtis Blades would have been a better, you know, kind of that next gradual step. I mean, you know, uh, Rah- uh, Abdul Rahim, oh, gosh, I just said his name right. I can't say it now. <laughs> Shamil Abdul Rahimov is a good fighter. Uh, but, dude, this is, I don't know, it's a lot. I'm, I'm very, very fascinated by this do you, event. Do you think this says more about the UFC's thoughts towards Dawkins? currently or do you think it says more about the usc's thoughts towards lewis currently based off their past performances and how they've been doing i would say docus because they know Derek lewis can knock out anybody in the roster at any time and i think docus they want to see if it's for real and you know we we kind of it's like a, a shortened version of what they did with kane and jds where you win four in a row instead of eight in a row and now we got to start sorting these guys out because we got to make these big heavyweight fights championship fights
Sure. Uh, boys, moving to the co-main event, Steven Wonderboy Thompson versus Bilal Muhammad. Uh, Wonderboy is coming into this fight off his loss of Gilbert Burns back in July. Bilal Muhammad coming into this fight having won five of his last six. Um, this will be his fourth fight this year. He's won two of those fights. Uh, the other one was the no contest uh, against Leon Edwards. So hasn't lost this year. Um, both of these guys, super tough to finish. Uh, both of them have only been finished one time in their respective careers. Um, this fight is really, really well matched, evenly matched. I'm really excited to see how they match up. Uh, but I want to ask you guys right off the top, uh, Wonderboy's 38 years old. He did just sign a new multi-fight uh, deal with the UFC last week. Um, but does this kind of feel like a big spot for him? Like a big, he needs a win here. Um, not saying, cause I, I, I also saw where he said today, he wants to fight. He wants to be like the oldest UFC fighter in UFC history or something like that. So he's going to be here for a while, but in terms of fighting for the title or fighting at that upper level at 38 years old, I feel like he kind of really needs to win this fight. If that 170 title is still a goal of his, which I'm sure it is. Yeah. Um, it's kind of an interesting fight. I mean, I, to be honest, for whatever reason, I didn't see it coming. Um, and as far as Wonderboy being older, I mean, I know he mentioned in one of his recent interviews with, I think, Ariel, he wants to break. He said, I want to break records. I want to be like the oldest guy in the, yeah. in the UFC, like like you said, right? Um, but my thing is, I, I just wonder, is his goal to be the 170 champion at this point? I mean, he's been in that division for so long. Yeah. I just wonder if he might benefit from, especially if he loses tonight, because if he loses tonight, Bilal, I know he's a high-ranked guy, and I know he's got a good record coming into this, but Bilal is Saturday, not a guy. Saturday night. You said tonight. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. Saturday. Saturday night. I just didn't want um, anybody listening thinking the fight was like tonight. No, no, no. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but I just I just wonder, like, a loss to Bilal on Saturday, what that does for his career. Like, I feel I, like if he wins against Bilal, it's like, okay, you beat Bilal, Bilal Muhammad. Like, good job. Like, I don't. that to me doesn't scream like you're doing big things in this division. Yeah, um, and maybe that's not fair, but I mean that is that's just how I feel. And on the other side of that, it's like okay, you lose to a guy like Bahal. It's like, dude, where are you going with this? I know you want to be here forever, but it's like, are, maybe you think about switching divisions, going up or down. Yeah. probably up for him, I'd imagine. But yeah, I, I don't know. Man, it's, go up. It's, it's just a weird fight for me. Like I, I, I think it's big implications for Bilal in a, in a good sense, and and for Thompson, I just feel like it's it's a lose lose, honestly. Yeah, uh, I think for Thompson, it could be. What what he does have working for him is he's fighting a guy who just fought, you know, Leon Edwards. Regardless of how that came together, you know, that when you, when you talk about people noticing you and, and giving you your respect for things, they kind of look at, you know, who you fought and who they fought type of a thing. Yeah, but that um, fight ended very controversially. No, for sure. But he got to but Muhammad got to it. And if you're gonna if you're gonna make a resurgence, it is starting with the guy who's nineteen and three and just got a shot at a you know, a high ranked guy and is still up there. So I, I don't necessarily think it's a lose lose, but I think if he loses, it's a big loss. Yeah. If he wins, it's a good win, but it's not a great win. So he definitely needs to be sharp. And, and if you're a Muhammad, you know, this would be a really big name on your list. Um, and it's what you need to do to get back to proving to people that you deserve the Leon fight and some of these other fights that you've been calling for. Yeah. And I mean, to be fair to Wonderboy too, like, I think he has the perfect style to fight for a really long time as well. I mean, he doesn't get hit doesn't much. Get hit. He's only been knocked out once in his career, never been submitted, but same for Muhammad. And 
you know, Muhammad just has a motor, man. Like he just is forward, 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 pushing guys against the cage, taking them down. Um, but that's so hard to do against a guy like Wonder Boy, um, especially in only three rounds. You know what I mean? Uh, but I'm still really interested about this matchup. And um, Bilal is not an easy fight for Wonder Boy by any means. Um, boys, those are the two that we're going to feature, the two that we're going to pick for. But this card is great. I want to just run through a couple more real quick. Um, Amanda Lemos versus Angela Hill. Ricky Simone versus Rafael Sunsau. This is a fight that I think you could give O'Malley. Like the winner of this fight versus O'Malley, I, I love, uh, I mean, just because, you know, if Ricky Simone won, that was something that was kind of thrown out there before. And, you know, supposedly the UFC said, well, we don't want Ricky just to take O'Malley down. Um, right. And uh, dude, a son sounds a legend, dude. And he's a tough legend. So that's when I really would like the winner, uh, O'Malley, because I feel like that'd be a good spot for him too. Mm -hmm. um diego fiera versus mateus gamrot gamrot's like 19 and one fiera's you know really tough legend but i really like gamrot in that spot to be honest with you guys mm -hmm. um and then kicking the main card off you got cub swanson versus darren elkins uh that fight has carnage written all over it uh blood. Damaged, baby. yeah i mean people are gonna be losing eyeballs kids will be crying <laughs> um and a bunch of cards on the prelim i don't want to go through them but i have to give a shout out to one of them harry hunsucker uh who's a guy that fights in this area you know a lot of people know his name from around here uh he's back in the ufc facing justin taffa uh, mm -hmm. so super excited anything about those before we get to our picks any of those fights that stick out or Anything. That's a good point about the O'Malley um, fight in the winter of that. I didn't even consider that. So, like they threw that in there. Yeah, it would match up well too, timing wise. Yeah, I'm excited for the Gamera fight. I think what he did yeah. to Jeremy Stevens was a a really good look into what he could do, and he's scary. I really like Gamera. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, well, boys, let's get to our picks. Brandon, update us on our scores because we had some big movers. Uh, well, a big mover, I think. Yeah, so um, John was way ahead of us last time, and then coming into this, after this card, um, I jumped up nine points, but I'm still two points behind John. So in last place, we have Nate with 70 points, and then me, I'm at 78 points. John is in first with 80 points. So that 80, means 78, math, That means mathematically, boys, I am eliminated. I'm done. Uh, even if I were to get all six points, I cannot catch either of you at this point at 70. Um, I'm still going to pick because it's about pride now, right? Yeah. Uh, so going into the last <laughs> week, though, this is big for you guys. Uh, I like it. Uh, shout out to all my F1 drivers. This has uh, Lewis Hamilton versus Max Verstappen going all, or written all over it going into the last day. I love it. Um, I told you guys back when we started this, I had a feeling it would, this would, it would play out like this. We've stayed close kind of all year. Uh, so I'm excited to, uh, to see who wins this thing, man, right here at the end. Uh, so we'll pick for Steven Wonderboy Thompson versus Bilal Muhammad. Um, I will pick first. Um, I'm going to take Bilal Muhammad or, uh, excuse me, Wonderboy via unanimous decision, uh, Bilal's a tough guy to finish. Um, I don't know if Wonderboy will be able to finish him. 
And I think he's going to have to survive a lot of forward pressure from Muhammad. Um, Muhammad's not going to break, but Wonder Boy is a tough guy to hit. He's hard to find, and the law doesn't really do anything that I think will give uh, Wonder Boy a lot of trouble, like Pettis. You know, Pettis was a really good striker, which is you know why he was able to find Wonder Boy. And I just don't see that in Muhammad. Uh, so I'm going to say Wonder Boy, but I don't think he finishes just because Bilal's a freak. All right, I'm going to take Bilal um, by unanimous decision. I think um, Gilbert really showed some holes in Thompson's game, particularly in the grappling wrestling department. And Thompson seemed a little gun shy lately. That was going to be my other criticism. Um, so I think if Bilal can make it gritty and push him up against the fence, he can make it a long night for him and maybe come out with a W. So I'll take Bilal by unanimous decision. Well, I wanted Wonderboy by decision, but I think they're both decision. Like, that's their – I mean, their last, like, five fights have been decided by decisions. Um, they, that's kind of what they roll with. But I'm going to take Wonderboy. I'll Boy. say since, since I'm I'm mathematically out, if you want to take that, you can do it. Um, I mean, I know we tr- usually don't try to do that, but I'll keep my pick. But even if, if I were to get it right, it doesn't matter anyways. It's really, I'll say Wonderboy third round TKO KO. I ain't afraid of that. Okay. There you go. I like the integrity. Good for you. You know, going into next year, a strategy, I think what kept me at the bottom, because genuinely, this is facts, I picked way more winners than you guys. I don't know that that's facts. I did. I I swear. One day I'm going to go back and do it. I've kept track. I've kept track for about the past couple months because I've been in last place. Mm -hmm. I've picked more winners than you guys. The problem is I never get the round and method, but it's because I've been picking first. I always say decision. Decision's not the best way to go because really what you guys have done is like, you'll say like so-and-so by KOTKO and like the fourth where you're, if they get it, you have more ways of getting points by calling a finish. You know what I'm saying? Mm Mm-hmm. Because if they just TKO them, you don't have to have the round. That's two right. points. So I've and just these been judges suck. So yeah, that's true too. But I've just kind of been nitpicking with like one point, one point, one point. And like Brandon, you had like what you called like you had like six points after the third fight. Like you called like other than the I got Bali, two fights in yeah, I got the the yeah, two fights in a row. I don't remember what they were. Yeah, like you're just almost better taking a shot at a finish. Uh but yeah, I'm locking that one in there. Good luck. Derek Lewis versus Chris Dawkins, boys, our main event, final main event of the year. Uh, man, I've made the mistake of picking against Lewis all year. I'm not going to do it again here, um, even though I did pick him against Gone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I, I, just, I just I love Chris Dawkins. I think this is uh, – I wouldn't be surprised if he – if he beat Lewis. Um, but I think if he beats Lewis, he's going to have to do it over five rounds. And that's so tough to stand in front of Derek Lewis, who, like John said earlier, he's dangerous in every round, no matter how tired he is. Um, so I'm going to take Derek Lewis. I just like his odds over five rounds to, to try to end the fight before it gets to a decision. And I'm I'll say thinking about this, I'll be, I'll ahead. say, sorry. Oh no, I'll just say, I'll say KOTKO in the first. I, I think he gets it done fast, but just because Dawkins is going to come for I mean, there, there's going to kind of like the Garbrandt France. I just don't think there's going to be much feeling out in this. So, okay. I've been thinking about this literally all day because, like, this what? is literally, this is probably the fight that's going to determine who, who wins this. Good. So, and I'm, I'm fairly certain John's going to go with Lewis. Um, and I'm, that's a good pick, man. Lewis has that puncher's chance, but. I'm going to take a risk here. I'm, I'm going to say Dawkins. I, I think he's going to he, – he might show us something Saturday. I think he's going to show us what he's made of. I think he's going to push the pace against Lewis and make him uncomfortable. Um, 
who knows he might even wrestle i don't know he's never he's like right. literally never wrestled in any fight that i've watched him do but um yeah so i'm gonna take Aukis. i'm gonna say oh man i'm gonna say round four tko i think he's gonna push the pace and break lewis one thing I really like about Dawkins in this fight too, <clears throat> that if I was going to make another case for him is the hand speed, that dude for a heavyweight, holy cow. And it's, and I'm not even just saying this against like a guy like Derek Lewis is his hand speed is going to give every heavyweight he fights problems. Cause to be as big as he is and to throw as fast as he does and as technical as he is, it's, it's going to give a lot of people problems. Yeah. Go ahead. John. I'm obviously no surprise. I'm going Derek Lewis. Um, I'm gonna say second round KO TKO, slanging and banging, doing it for H Town. I think you know I, I have a thing which may be why I yeah, <laughs> which is maybe why I pick a lot of like stipulations right as far as the how the guys win is. I have a thing for guys with the X factor. Yeah, I like that. That's and Derek point. Lewis has this X factor with his power that <clears throat> you could you could be winning. When we've seen it before, you know you could be winning five rounds and then 20 seconds left he can drop you and a lot of people can't really do that to him and not to say that Dawkins couldn't but Derek Lewis is the people that he's lost to are better than anybody that Dawkins has fought and the people that he's beat are double that so it's I mean everybody has their time but I still feel like Derek Lewis is right there well it's tough too because we talked about it <clears throat> last Saturday too with with Lewis is just that ability to get up right like it's it's a funny thing but it's an ability now right like he's kind of made yeah. that his own thing is just being able to get up out of stuff um and we haven't seen Chris Dawkins's ground game we don't know if he's a great guy you know if he's a big finisher on top if he's got you know strong heavy hips if he's, you know what i mean we just don't know um mm -hmm. but if that's not an element of his game that maybe is as well rounded um that could be something where even if he does get Lewis down, who's to say he could hold him down? You know what I mean? The, what what fight I think back to that, that tells me that's a possibility is Tom Aspinall versus Orlovsky. Is that yeah. that was when he hit that blast double and, and just nobody saw him, right? it? Like yeah, that, nobody yeah, saw I mean, it coming. Who, who picked, yeah, yeah. So it can point. happen. That's a really good point. Boys, that is our final pay-per-view of the year. Uh, we are gonna move not even right. pay-per-view, that's free, baby. It's a free one. Fight it's night. A, great fight night for free uh boys we are going to move into brandon hit us with a new facts don't care about your feelings real quick before i say that as in terms of strategy for the picks i don't really have a strategy i think i'm just better at picking fights than you mate so i'm just going to leave that there going into my facts don't care about your feelings though i'm gonna say okay so this one's focused on conor mcgregor okay so after watching i rewatched the poirier Oliveira fight and for whatever reason it just, I feel like it was just kind of an epiphany that I had um Conor McGregor is just not the fighter that we thought he was okay he, this is this is who Conor McGregor was as a fighter he was spoon-fed guys in the 45 pound division his best fight in that entire climb to the title fight was against Chad Mendez who could took that fight on I want to say a few weeks notice um, which he won. He won fairly. That was his first taste of adversity. And then he got, I'm going to call it like it was, it was the, a lucky shot against Jose Aldo. He got him emotional. He got him eager and he caught, he clocked him. And it was, it was literally, literally a lucky shot. I mean, that, it just is what it is. Sometimes you can get caught. Aldo got caught. I think if they rematch, I think Aldo wins that fight eight times out of 10. And he just didn't win that night in, in fair play to McGregor, but that's what that was. And then when he moved up to 55, he fought Eddie Alvarez, who was the best fight he possibly could have had at that time at 55, was a wash up Eddie Alvarez. And same thing. I think Alvarez was caught in the moment. 
McGregor starstruck him. I'll give him that one in terms of his second best performance was against Eddie Alvarez. And then, you know, then he had the Floyd thing. And since then he's returned. And since he's returned, he's not looked good. He's won one fight against Cowboy who, I mean, we know how that fight went. It was a, again, a washed up Cowboy, which I think we would all agree with. Um, point being, McGregor is a guy with one tool. It's his left hand. He's got decent footwork and he's a good counter puncher. That's it. I think he was spoon fed guys. He had a good lucky shot against Aldo. He beat a, an okay Eddie Alvarez and he's come back and looked not, not good. He's not the guy that we thought he was. I mean, he, he's charismatic. I'll give him that. He's a big pay-per-view buy that that's it. And this, this isn't even trying to be funny. This is a legit honest opinion. Well, you legitimately hate him. Re- so like, let's, let's say there's not like some bias that you just legitimately hate him. So we can start there. Um, well, he's I not think, a good guy. well, you hate him. Yeah. You just don't like him. Um, so, so I think there's so much bias in that statement that it's almost hard to even fully dissect it. Um, am I wrong? Uh, yes, I think you are How? wrong. How? Um, there's so much more to Conor McGregor than just a left hand. Um, your, what? your, the, your Lord and savior, Luke Thomas, um, has done many of breakdowns on Conor McGregor and his ability to use and Dan Hardy has as well. I just, I'd encourage you to go watch him. Um, where he explains the uh, traps that Conor McGregor says. I said he's got good footwork. And, I but but it's, footwork. It's, 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 he has such a high fight IQ, and especially in the whole stand-up and striking game. Uh, one thing I think with Conor McGregor is that is so underrated about his game, but to be fair, something he's gotten away from is his kicking. Um, you know, we saw early in his career, uh, he was a phenomenal kicker. And the things that he was able to do uh, was just insane. Um, but he just got away from it. And I never really fully understood that. Um, I think maybe he just fell in love with the boxing too much, right? Like the Floyd thing. I think um, I think the Floyd thing, honestly, is one of the worst mistakes Conor McGregor's made in his career. And, mm-hmm. and that's kind of crazy when you think about all the crazy stuff he's done. Uh, but I think you know, dedicating his life to a sport that wasn't a sport that he was a champion in for, I mean, what that thing lasted like a year, year and a half, um, mm-hmm. really did him some injustice to his MMA career. Um, and didn't really make him that much of a better boxer, if I'm being honest. Uh, but where I think you're wrong is to say that he was spoon fed people when he beat Max Holloway, he beat Dustin Poirier, he beat okay. Chad Mendez, he beat, um, uh, uh, Eddie Alvarez, who at that time was like the best 155er in the world. Uh, I mean, Jose Aldo to say it was a lucky shot. I mean, that's you. Okay. That's fine. But that's fighting. I mean, that's a part of fighting to be able to land those yeah, shots. And, and it wasn't like, it wasn't time for he, you know, he stepped back and I mean, it, that's just nuts to say that it was just a lucky shot. I mean, that's, that's like in any sport, you can make in a case for something lucky, but uh, to say he was spoon fed. I mean, I mean, you could say, yeah, Marcus Brimage, Dennis Seaver. Sure. I'd give you those. So um, Holloway tore his MCL, ACL during that fight, right? I mean, who else was landing three takedowns, four takedowns, whatever he landed against Holloway, and who nobody's done that since then. Like, so that was McGregor tore his MCL, ACL in the fight. Holloway was injured in that fight too, right? But that's yeah, but, uh, no, I think you're confused. I think that's when McGregor, because McGregor sat out for like almost two years because he tore his ACL. I think I think it was in the Max fight. That was the Mendez fight. Man, now you got me. I thought it was the Max fight. I'd have to go back and check. It's in the documentary. I was pretty sure it was the Mendes fight. I could be I could be wrong on that. No, he fought anyway. Mendez in 2015 in July and then fought Aldo in December. So it was the Max fight. When he tore his when he tore his MCL? I'm pretty sure, man. 
Yeah, because he he fought Max in August of 2013 and then fought Diego Brandal in July 2014, which I think is when he came back. I think that was his first fight back. And it says the Irish fighter heard his knee pop during the second round in his fight against Max Holloway, but pushed through the pain and ended up. Yeah, because I think he had to start taking Max down. I think that's like he had to do it. Yeah, because he landed the takedowns against Max. That yeah, was, he yeah. had okay. to do it, though. Okay, so. Let me retract part of that statement. Mm-hmm. Max Holloway may have been that best fight, that best win. That's but important. You, okay. Mm, no, because the way Dustin's looked at 55, I think that was. I mean, a I don't agree that Dustin. he wasn't the best Dustin Poirier at 55, but I'm also not going to sit here and say he wasn't knocking fools out at 45 and wasn't a good 45 pound fighter either. Definitely not the guy he is now, but that's a big win, dude. No matter Why do you, what. What do you, what do you think that, what do you think happened when he returned? From the from the boxing fight, why do you think he doesn't look like how he did? Because it's the same thing we've seen with Jose Aldo. <clears throat> I just heard Kenny Florian talking about it this week with the kicks. When you fall in love with one aspect of fighting for way too long, you, and you start neglecting other aspects of your game, which he, he definitely did. All he was doing was boxing. Um, I think he just lost a lot of his mixed martial arts ability uh, because he has, I mean, he really hasn't looked like the same fighter since he's come back from the boxing experiment, if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, dude, especially the kicking. I mean, that's like one of the most frustrating things for me is I mean, now he did uh, with the Dustin fight. He did start to open that up a little bit in that second fight. I mean, he, he was throwing some better kicks, but the way that he used to be able to use kicks for distance management, um, the footwork, his head movement. Um, I think, I think had he not left boxing, I think he could have went down as one of the best strikers in the UFC's history. Not history, um, but definitely of his time, I think, in that weight class. I think when he, when he went to Floyd and boxed, he came back and his stance was different. Everything. And his was stance different. changed the way he could corral guys in with his, his yeah. lead hand to land the big shot. And I think he did get that kind of boxer ego too, where it's like, Oh, I'm going to box these guys' heads off instead yeah. of, you know, go to the body, pick them apart with the leg kick, do this. And, you know, it's also a thing where, you know, once you fight Floyd Mayweather and you make hundreds of millions of dollars, there's a also an element of like, you know, I know he still trains hard, but you got to get up for all these fights now and you're not making a hundred million dollars and it's not Floyd Mayweather. So it, that could be part of that downfall as well. I don't know that I agree with the comparison to Jose Aldo because yes, Jose Aldo got away from the kicks and he's still been away from the kicks, but were we not just saying a few weeks ago that Jose Aldo's almost reinvented himself at 135? Yeah, but there's nothing so, I mean, wrong. But there's also been times in the fight <clears throat> in his most recent yes, he's definitely reinvented himself in terms of um he's definitely a better boxer. Um, but there's definitely been many of his fights where, especially if he was doing more leg kicks, like he kind of really won in this last fight almost because he went back to him late in the fight. But if he uh, – kicking Aldo is a good – all. I mean, it's just better. I mean, that's just kind of facts. That's fair. But even, like, who, okay, who is who's Aldo lost to? Like, so we, we go say, okay, well, like – because he's won a majority of his fights, obviously. So the fights he's lost to are the two against Max, one against Jan, and I think one more. Well, well Connor. Um, he lost the decision, I think. To Mirage, which a lot of people thought he won, right? Yeah. So squash that fight – the two against Max, which most people are losing against Max, unless your name's Alexander Volkanovsky, and then the Connor fight at 45, and Jan, where he broke his ribs. I mean, outside of that, every other fight, and, and a lot of those were, well, I guess not a lot of those were, were in 35, but 
that's that's not very many losses to look at. And, and most of those are while he was kicking. I mean, I don't, I'm not, I'll have to go back and watch the Max fights, but Connor, Max, Max, Yawn, and then. Well, I think the boxing adjustment for Aldo is different because it doesn't change his stance. It's still Muay Thai-ish. He doesn't yeah. have a whole complete change to his style, and I think that's what happened to Connor. And when I say reinvent, a lot of that too is is his lifestyle. I mean, he's been very open that, you know, he used to eat whatever he wanted when he was at 45 and he had to change that. You know, it's, it's a lot more than that, you know, than just saying like he's a different fighter. I mean, I think there's a lot of things he's doing, Aldo in his case, that he's doing outside. Um, but I, I mean, I don't want to, that's going down a completely different path. So but, go, but. go back, so going back to Connor, looking, for example, looking at the 155 pound division, the 170 pound division, I don't think Connor, outside of his name, if you could, if, if we could somehow strip away his name, in, in the pay-per-views that he brings, I don't think we would ever see based off skill and who he fights going forward. Connor, oh, that's nuts. That's nuts. Hold on, I haven't even finished. I haven't even finished my sentence. I don't think we ever see him break past top five. Like I think he is, he sits at five, maybe four. That's it. But, I don't think look look at those divisions, especially seventy. But going looking at fifty-five and how deep that. I think Gregor Golebski works Connor. But here, this is like with you. Sometimes is what makes me so mad. Because you're talking like right now. Like, I don't think yeah. Tom McGregor yeah. is a top five lightweight right now. But when yeah. he was in the 145-pound division, he was beating the top five people in the world. He beat Eddie Alvarez, who was a champion, 155 pounds. Who so else? This, okay. So Go if ahead, you're saying going. like, if you're saying like, oh, today, like right now, if he was just starting out right now and this and what we see now, the Conor McGregor today was in the UFC today. Yeah, I'd agree. He's not that just like what we've seen in the cage. It's not top five material. Now, I still think he can beat a lot of top five guys. Don't get me wrong in the UFC. But to say what he was doing back then, who he was fighting and the fighter he was, that's that's crazy. He would definitely because you can't beat the people he's beat and not get to a title. You don't you don't beat Dustin Poirier, Max Holloway, Chad Mendez, and not get to Jose Aldo back in 2014-15. How did Eddie, Eddie Alvarez get the title? Who did he beat? <sighs> Dang, that's a good question, man. Who was the champion before him? That's a good question. I'd have to look that up. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to pull it up and my phone's not loading uh hold on it would have been we need a jamie (laughs) as john just sits there and holds up pop vinyls he could have been looking this up instead i'm looking it up right now i think i I got it okay was it gilbert no rda i don't i don't know if yeah rda come on man gilbert melendez pettis and then rda the best in the world. Hang he on. also beat Michael Chandler and Pitbull and Shania Oki. Bellator, yeah, and Bellator before he came over. Yeah. He was the so best you 55 remember, in the world yeah, hang at on. that time. So you, so you remember Habib beat Dos Anjos before Dos Anjos won the title, right? So Habib got injured. So I'm going to go through the rankings right here. So Eddie Alvarez and then Habib, RDA, Tony Ferguson, Nate Diaz, Edson Barbosa, Barbosa Donald Cerrone, Dustin Poirier. You think... Eddie Alvarez was top was the top of those. Yes, he beat RDA for the title, but you think that he was overall the number one outside of the fact that he had the title, which sounds counterintuitive. But do you honestly think he was better than all those guys? Yes. No. <laughs> no, no way. Uh, okay. 
okay, let's say we put Connor in right now. We put Connor in against against um Charles Oliveira. Um he he knocks out Charles Oliveira one punch 45 seconds into the first round. So you would say off that fight, okay, yep, Conor McGregor, the best 155 pounder in the world. I would I don't know if I'd go that far, but I mean what's the difference? To, but because to see, I mean, to see Oliveira survive he, punches, but he's survived punches from uh Michael Chandler and now Dustin Poirier. So if Connor went out and put him out with one shot when those guys couldn't, it'd be hard not to argue that at least he's not the most powerful, maybe striker in in the world. I mean, why wouldn't you say he's the best 155er? Well, because you, what? Like, I guess I don't understand what you're saying by that. Because you're saying if you have the, because you're saying if you have the belt, I mean, you're the best. That's what that means. You were the top. So who would he have to beat to get to that belt? Yeah, I mean, Connor. He's he's Connor. They'll put him up there against. Don't even give you that. You know they'll put him up there. It's not gonna. No, it's not gonna happen though. Not now. Not now. Yeah. No. But it's not. I mean, but they would do something like that. He can skip the line. He can win one and probably get up, but it'd have to be against a Gaethje. I I would say somebody like that. He could go out and beat Tony Ferguson, and they'd give him a title shot. I would say he would if to beat Oliveira, he'd have to beat somebody in his next fight for me to be like, oh, he's back or he's on top of the. You know. So if he beats if he beats Tony Ferguson and then he beats. Charles Oliveira, like I just said, you'd put you would you say? not really Ferguson <laughs> today. I'd have to you'd have to give me somebody else. Wow, he would need a couple. I mean, at this point, he's shown enough that it would have to be a couple fights. So it's not just enough to have the belt. That's what you're saying. Uh yes and no, because like I think like you can have the belt like like kind of like in a Volk situation where you can kind of have the belt where it's like undeniable and and Volk's beat Max, who most people you know Twice. thought was. You know, twice now, and you know he's done enough past the max fight that you can't argue that he's better than Max. He's the best forty-five pounder in the world. Max might be. I don't know how that compares. Well, I don't either. You're the one that brought it up. (laughs) Just saying. No, no, you're you're saying you brought up Max. I don't know. I don't. Or you sorry, you brought up Volk. Like I don't get. I don't get what you're saying with that. Uh, because you said something about having the belt makes you the best in the world and i said well i think you can have it long enough to where you answer all quite like you you know what i mean like you if you're that, that's what you for, said about eddie alvarez if you're champion for long enough i mean you can you know so eddie alvarez had the belt for one fight right because he just got it off because it was supposed to be connor versus rda if i remember yeah right. but it's the people he beat in the lead up to that i mean I, I don't i see what you're saying like no i don't necessarily think the belt is you know necessarily everything but to get to the belt you have to beat the best in the world anyways Eddie just sucks for Eddie. He ran into Connor, who at the time was probably the best in the world. 155 to 145 pounds. Not to say if that's he a great match. I think that was just a go ahead. I think that was just a great matchup for Connor. I I I I think and I think that's a lot of what fighting is, is just matchups. I think Chael's talking I mean, about that be. with 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 Poirier Oliver. And I think that that's what, what Connor was handed his entire career was good matchups outside of the Aldo fight, which was, Dude, which was, a I good don't shot. care. I don't care if Chad Mendez showed up today, he's taking people down and submitting them almost to eat. I mean, which is why I gave him that. That was his best fight. That was his best performance to my, but I mean, how that, that, that theoretically at the time was a matchup nightmare. It Connor. was, it was a matchup. And, nightmare. He won. and I think if, and I think, so if, and I think if, the and most complete, well-rounded. If Mendez has a full camp, he dog walks Connor. That's all I'm saying about that one. Well, that's but, that's just based off of your hatred towards Connor. So we're gonna get off yeah, this because we'll we'll okay. go we'll, we'll waste our whole forty minutes. <laughs> we probably, we probably minutes. just went way too long on that. We need to start setting. Yeah, yeah a timer. I think you guys went for like twenty minutes. Right? Yeah, we that need to start. We, got, we gotta start setting a timer for. Wait, those. wait till the next one because the next one's gonna be full juicy. I love it. I love it, uh, John. 
Uh, we're going to get into some news. We don't have our soundboard. Hit us with a jingle. We're going to listen to the news, dudes. Boys, <laughs> first thing we got. Former that's champ- off the top. That one was a little weaker than the last one, but that's all right. You were, you were on the spot. Boys, former champ Jan Blachowicz will now face Alexander Rakic on March, March 26th in a UFC fight night main event. Good fight. I like it. Mm-hmm. Good, good one. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, that same night, Amanda Ribas will face Michelle Waterson. That's another good one. Yeah. Excited to see that that one bad. Say what? So where's Michelle Waterson been? Losing? Uh, Yeah, she like lost, I think, two in a row or something. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Habib Nurmagomedov's MMA promotion will make its UFC – or U.S. debut, sorry, on January 28th in Miami, Florida – Eagle FC 44 will be headlined by Tyrone Spong versus Antonio Bigfoot Silva. Also, Rashad Evans announces he will end his retirement and will be returning on this card as well. Uh, Rashad hasn't fought since 2018. I think I saw somewhere where Tyrone Spong hasn't fought MMA in like eight years. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, But definitely not a bad move by Habib, you know, getting some good, well-named legends and and people will recognize. I'd love to watch it. I think I don't, I'd assume it'll be pay-per-view somewhere, but I Tyrone Spong, he was a guy that, you know, I think, and if you look at like a guy like Izzy today, I think a lot of people kind of thought Tyrone Spong could have been that in MMA. I agree. Yeah. I, I think getting people like that will sell tickets, get people to show up and highlight the other guys that he's really trying to probably bring up that are on his team or that he knows. Right. He's trying to get their name up. So that's smart. And lastly, Tommy, uh, Brandon, anything on Habib's Eagle and FC? No, glad it's coming to the coming to the United States. Um, good move for him. And I, the Rashad moves was interesting to me. I'm curious to see how that one goes. <laughs> Rashad used to train with Tyron Sprong, so I wonder if that was uh, well, like they're a, all in that South Florida, like yeah. Bigfoot, Spong, Rashad. They're all kind of in that. I kind of wondered if it was more that you know get the area. Yeah, uh, first probably. Debut. I don't know. Uh, but lastly, Tommy Fury forced to withdraw from his boxing match against Jake Paul due to a chest infection and broken rib. So Tyron Woodley will now be stepping in for the rematch against Paul this Saturday, December 18th. Boys, what are your predictions? I think Woodley knocks him out. Yeah? I think he goes in there and knows he can't get embarrassed again and he has to kind of sell out. And if he puts pressure on him, he's seen that if he touches him right, he can put him down. The ropes didn't save him, so I think he goes for it. I don't even want to think about this fight. But really? I, I God, yeah. You're just, just so that annoyed. checked out from it? Don't care? Yeah. I, well, it's I, boxing. Yeah. I still but, think it's interesting, though. I think the rematch has more interest to your casuals than the Fury would. I think if, if Tyron Willie doesn't knock him out, he's got a lot to answer for. That's what I'll say. He's going to have to answer for his sins? Yeah. Boys, yeah, that's, that's just terrible. That is our episode, John. What is our song of the week? Oh, do, do any of you guys have any our news? Song of the w- I, we didn't get a chance to talk before. Oh. Have anything else? Sorry. I, I just wanted to say, uh, same night as the fights, Vasily Lomachenko won his fight against Richard Comey, dominated him pretty much every round. And now he says he's ready to go to Australia to take the to unify the lightweight belt with George Cambosos Jr., which yeah. would be an amazing fight. So, That'd be a good one. Really big one. That's all I had extra. I didn't have anything. Hit us with your song of the week. Song of the week. We're doing this for H-Town, baby. <laughs> Sitting sideways. Paul Wow. I love it. I love it. Well, once again, everybody, <clears throat> we do appreciate you guys uh, listening. Um, obviously, we mentioned it. 
want to apologize again for the quality issues. I hope by next week's episode, we can get something a little bit better figured out. Um, might have to do this again for one more though. Uh, like I said, we'll know more when we hear back from the company that we purchased the mixer from. Uh, so hang in there, bear with us. Like we said, you know, this is, we're over 50 episodes in and is the first time anything like this has ever happened and completely out of our hands. Like we've taken really good care of this mixer. I mean, we don't, we didn't drop it. I mean, just literally the power button just we're it's getting power. It's just not turning on. Can't help right. it. Uh, and there's really no better way to record it. So that is that Brandon, uh, what is your one for the people before we get out of here? I want to give another shout out to the Gaha boys. Um, awesome performance to everybody um it's fun just being part of the team and being able to grind with everyone and then to see them go out and perform like that it's just kind of extra sweet being a part of that and, and in our own little way so um another shout out to them um fun watching them in lafayette that's where we're moving to right so so what it sounds like lafayette next year i talked to yeah. <clears throat> i was talking to jacob yesterday and it sounds like there is a pretty big uh pretty busy especially early first of the year next year for for gaha so i'll so, be from the sidelines but so be on the lookout for some more gaha action in lafayette for call yeah. combat yeah i think uh, oh i better not say i don't know i don't think it's been announced i'll tell you guys after the stream <laughs> <laughs> i've had almost oops that would have been bad go ahead hey, john what's your one for the people um, I just wanted the people let the people know that Saturday Brandon admitted that um Charles Oliveira would probably beat Habib. So I didn't say that. <laughs> oh, you definitely he, did. No, no, no. I said that was the scariest fight for me. As no, you you uh, said you were in the moment, but you was like, hey, I don't. Khabib don't want that, and I was like, I'm oh, not you're right. Oh, that must have been an out of body experience or something. I don't oh, know. Oh come on, uh, dude. Habib's like, I think at this point, Habib's looking at like main eventing like an Eagle FC against. Um, uh, what was the dude that BJ Penn fought where he like licked the blood off the gloves? Joe, Joe Daddy. Stevenson. Yeah, Joe Daddy. Steve, give me, <laughs> give me, give me a B versus Joe Daddy. Eagle FC 45. That's your main mm. event. That's uh, interesting. Uh, yeah. Uh, my one for the people, uh, I teased it earlier. Max Verstappen is F1 Grand Prix world champion. Um, that was absolutely madness. If you do watch F1, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, Shades of Amanda versus um um pena pena excuse me uh but just a phenomenal ending to a race um but yeah that's it boys uh john uh, make up for the news thing why don't you no song why don't you sing us out we usually play the uh, song right here uh okay. so i'm yeah so i'm, I'm gonna, gonna go. make up a song uh goodbye farewell so we thank you guys you, for listening you, my friend we'll be back goodbye, next monday farewell, something some way until we meet again you guys will be here peace until then farewell we'll see you guys peace you, my friend goodbye farewell until we meet again <laughs>